Hey guys, welcome back. Gerard Marone here, Director of Contemporary Media at Tower Hill Church, sitting with Pastor Jason. So we're in week two of this three-week short For Them series. So kind of talk us through it a little bit. Yeah, we, For Them is all about how do we fill the cup, fill the cup of faith for this generation and the next. And uh, last week we talked a bit about the theological foundation of that, what it means that uh, to be the church, what it means to be sent as Jesus was sent. Uh, for the sake of the world with the gospel. And today, we really spend a lot of time drilling down on part of who who are the them, mm-hmm. right? Who are the them? Um, and that is talking about the younger generation. And particularly folks 29 years old and younger uh, is really what we're talking about, which is actually two generations. But, I mean, the world has changed so much, mm-hmm. And I know in church land, there's a lot of hand-wringing over the fact that we're not reaching a lot of younger, um, younger folks with the gospel. And one of the reasons is, is that we're just simply not speaking their language. So what does it mean for us to really consider the needs and the worldview of each generation? And then how do we bring the gospel to them in the most effective way? Sure. I feel like this is a big parallel between church and just life in general. I mean, yeah, yeah. You look at this generational gap, and I, I begrudgingly am in the millennial grouping, <laughs> and uh, there is a big divide on how other generations handle millennials in the workplace and school and, and kind of all over the place. And I, I can see that it, it possibly lines up here with church as well. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, when we talk about uh, a, you know some of the businesses that have figured this out, mm-hmm. And how to uh, reach out to millennials. We, we talk a little bit about different churches and what they're trying to do. I think it's all good. I think there's a lot of hope in this next generation coming up. I think that they have a lot of power. They have a lot of um, passion. They really rally around causes, around having a mission. And again, just having a mission for their lives. I think God really wants to do something special with that. And, and I'm all about how do we figure out how to equip the next generation to really live into that God-given purpose. Sure. So what is kind of the culmination of this For Them series? What's coming up in the life of the church that's going to really bring this all home? Yeah, next week is a big week for us because that's the final day of our Faith Forward Capital Campaign, which is all about the For Them theme. Mm -hmm. And this is why we are renovating our spaces because we want to create environments that lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, of all different generations. And so uh, that's the day. That's the day where we're asking people to bring their stuff in. But it's also the day that we are focusing on the different mission opportunities that we have this time of year. And there's a whole bunch of them, you know, because you're involved. Yeah. whole bunch of mission opportunities. And we want to kind of pile it all in on one day sure. and make it a big celebration of thanks. Mm. That sounds great. So I hope you guys enjoy uh, week two of the For Them series here at Tower Hill Church. And have a great week. Thank you. So we are, we are in this series for them. We just started this last week. And this is so important. If you're a visitor with us, if you just started worshiping here in the last couple of weeks, this is great. Because this is really pulling back the curtain on why we are doing the things that we are doing as a church. And why it matters. Because it's for them. Filling the cup for this generation and the next. So last week, if you missed us last week, our uh, sermon's online. You can get us at towerhillchurch.org. We also have a podcast. You can get it that way. But just to sum up, a couple things from last week is we talked about the nature of the church. Well, what does it mean to be the church? 
And we use this Greek word that Jesus used to describe church, ekklesia. The ekklesia, those who have been called out in this life and the life to come to live the purposes of God. It's awesome. We, have been, we are the called out ones. In other words, church isn't a place primarily where you go. It's something that you are. When Jesus talked about church, he wasn't thinking about buildings. He was thinking about people. And just as Jesus was sent, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. Just as Jesus was sent, he has sent us. As he prays to God the Father in John 17, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You remember the Great Commission where he says, go, make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, stay where you are until disciples come to you. Go. We are the ones, like Jesus, who are sent. So when we say that the church is the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ, that's what we mean. We are sent like Jesus was into the world to share the good news of salvation through him. I love then, you know, what does it mean that we are sent to do? I mean, I mean what are we called to? We are called, as Acts chapter 2 puts it beautifully, we are called to speak the wonders of God into the language of the people. The first gift of the Holy Spirit is what? It's the gift of translating the wonders of God into a language that people can understand. I think that is so significant, and that is what drives and should drive the nature and purpose of the church, is that we should be in the business of declaring the wonders of God in the language of the people. What happens when you don't? Well, you get disconnect. It's a lot like the institutional reality that we have in our country now. Institutions, great institutions that we have come to uh, appreciate, or at least to expect their flourishing, have been in decline. We look at businesses, businesses like Kodak. We talked about this last week. Remember Kodak? There was a time when you could go anywhere in the world, and you didn't even speak English, and you would say Kodak, and they knew what you were talking about. Talk about brand recognition. Unbelievable. They had like 90% of the sales of film. And in 2012, what happened? They declared bankruptcy. Why? Because they failed to adapt. They failed to change their methods. And this isn't just happening in our institutions, our, our businesses. It's happening in the institution of the church. Is that churches have failed to adapt their language for the culture around it. And so we too, we need to be willing to adapt our methods for the sake of the mission. What good is it to declare the wonders of God if no one's in the room to hear it because they don't understand you? Makes it tough. I always put it this way. The mission never changes. The message of Jesus Christ never changes, ever. Never, ever. But the methods always need to change. As fast as the language of culture is changing, you have to be willing to change your methods to reach people with the message. Because the whole idea of for us, the for us stance, it has never been the posture of the church. The church exists and always has existed for them. This is what we spent time on last week. And 
I think the next way that we're unpacking this series today and next week is who are the them, <laughs> right? Who are we talking about when we say it's for them? Today, I think in a very real sense, uh, for them is, has always been about the next generation. So today, that's what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about how do we fill the cup of faith or help to of our younger generation? How do we do that? There's a great resource on this. Uh, some of you were listening to uh, North Point's version of this. They, they did a series called Helping the Next Gen Win. Um, I thought one of the best parts of that series was the research when they had uh, Dr. Tim Elmore come on. And it's a great book. So I ordered the book. And I, uh, it's a lot of what I've been reading over the last few years in my uh, doctoral work. But I think he has a really nice way of putting it. So I want to encourage you, if you want to learn more about the next generation, to look at this resource. It's a great resource. Generation IY. And of course, Generation Y is the millennial generation. The I, of course, is, you know, iPod, iPad, iPhone, the internet reality of that generation. It's a really great, great book. So some of the things I'm going to tell you in the next couple minutes are from that book. But this generation, he's lumping in everybody who was 29 years old and younger. So it's actually two generations he's talking about in Generation IY. Everybody younger than 29 and younger. A lot of us say that we're 29, but, you know. Um, here's the amazing thing about the church, or is the generational representation we have in churches. It is absolutely amazing. There is no other institution like this in America anymore. This morning, we discovered we had six generations represented at, at the 9 o'clock service today. We had some in the greatest generation. who were, We had about three people who were born before 1929. Unbelievable. So I'm just going to go through this. We've talked about this over the last couple of years, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just a couple of things. Uh, if you were born between 1929 and 1945, raise your hand. You are a builder. Builders, welcome. Yeah. You seriously, you built the institutions of America. Hence the builders. Your life paradigm, I love that. Be grateful you have a job. So it makes no sense to you when people are like, you know, I'm not sure I'm really happy in my work. Be grateful you have a job. What's the matter with you? Children of the, just right after the Depression. Uh, the baby boomers. How many of you were born between 1946 and 1964? Ooh, look at you. Look at you. Now, don't yell at me. It's Tim Elmore's fault. But he said, you're the generation that says, you owe me. I didn't say it. The breakaway generation. It was actually your generation that, that the phrase generation gap came from. Uh, the disparity between how you viewed the world and how your parents view, viewed the world. You know, it's the whole 1960s thing happened with you guys. Um, the boomers, of course, because uh, the baby boom after World War II. Busters. We were a much smaller generation, hence busters instead of boomers. Boomer bust. Generation X. How many of you are with me, 1965 to 1982, your Generation X? I love you, just know that. Because <laughs> our, our whole thing is, love me, you know, relate to me. We were the latchkey kids. We don't care how much information you have. We just want to know that we're loved and accepted. I mean, that's, that's huge for us. We want relationship. That's a big part of what we want. Then uh, millennials, Generation Y. 
1983 to 2000, of course, because that uh, comes right up to the millennia. Uh, and you're like, how many millennials are in the room? Yes, millennials. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. All four of you. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And for millennials, their whole thing about life is a cafeteria. I'm going to pick and choose and make things the way that I want. I'm, and I'm going to pull from religion. I'm going to pull from philosophy. I'm going to pull from everything to make life the way that I want it. Homelanders, I, I think most of them all left uh, for Sunday school. But the Homelanders, uh, 2001, they have not lived life the before 9-11. When the Department of Homeland Security was created. Known as Homelanders, Generation Z. They are coping and they are hoping for something better. And so when we talk about the next generation, I'm lumping together the last two, Generation Y and Generation Z. To talk about how... Can we as the church equip them to be the church? So let's take a look at some of the things that drive this generation. I, I think this is good. Now listen, for you millennials out there, I'm not busting on you. Let's just get that straight. Let's get that straight. I'm not. I love you. All right, here we go. You have to like kill the background. There you go. This is from uh, Dr. Elmore. That it spells out the word seen. Their wor world is full of speed. You would die, millennials, if you had to deal with dial-up internet. You would seriously fall over and die. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's way too slow. I mean, you're just in a world of speed. Or C for convenience. Oh my gosh, convenience. Like, you don't know the joy of not knowing someone's coming to pick you up and no way to contact them, ever. <laughs> the sheer joy of wondering an hour later and not having 35 cents to use the payphone. I mean, my goodness, convenience. It, it, it has changed everything, but you've never really known the world without that. Entertainment. Entertainment is huge. I mean. It's entertainment on your schedule. You know this. Like you have Apple TV, you have Netflix, you have everything. So it's, you DVR something. You don't watch things in real time. When I was a kid, if I wanted to watch cartoons, I had to get up at Saturday morning. And if I missed Spider-Man, I was not seeing it again until the next week. It was a drag. But you can get it on your phone instantly. Whole different world. And then nurture. Nurture. Oh my goodness, you guys have been nurtured. We have hovered over you. We put helmets on you at the dinner table. We're like, we're like really careful. We, we have nurtured you. You could be anything you want. Be anything you want. And then, of course, uh, entitlement. Entitlement. This isn't your fault. You're in the world of the participation trophy. Right? I mean, everybody gets something. Everyone gets a prize. I mean, again, you know, when I was growing up, it's like you win place or show, and then it's like good luck next year. That you don't get an award just for participating. I, I mean, that's, and that's big, but this is the world that we have created for you. Can you guess how well the church has done 
relating to you. I think it speaks volumes that there's like four or five of you here. We've missed the mark in a big way. So much so that it's that 18 to 29-year-old demographic that has the largest increase of what we call the nuns, N-O-N-E-S's, that if they're filling out religious preference, they mark none. 30, if you look by generation, 36% would consider themselves nuns. No, the church has not been able to connect. It reminds me of this scripture from the Old Testament. Right after uh, the people of Israel conquered the promised land. And all the buildup to, to that happening. And then the work that it took to happen. And then watch what happens. This is Judges 2, verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. I always think, you know, people that give younger generations a hard time, I just want to ask, ask them, whose fault is it? It's, it's ours. If you don't like, it, I don't know much about sailing, but say that I'm a sailor. And, I'm, and I got that boat, and out I go, and I'm going to my destination, and things are going beautifully, and the wind is blowing, and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, the wind changes in the opposite direction. Would I react by going, darn you, wind. You're the most evil wind ever. Why don't you change and blow the other way? And then just let my boat get steered out of control and not to my destiny. No. What would I do? I'd change my tack. I'd adjust to the wind so that I could get where I want to go. We need to stop yelling at the wind because generations don't see things the way that we see them. We need to figure out how do we change our tack? So that we can take them where God wants to take them. How can we help them? See, here's the thing. Younger generations, actually, I learned, Gerard, I learned this from you a few years ago. Younger generations do not need adults for information. They can get information. Seriously, you could fact check my sermon as we're going to see if I'm giving you the right, everything. They need adults for interpretation. And I think about my kids and the information that they have. They need me to help them interpret it. And I feel like we're missing that opportunity as a church. Because we're not speaking their language. Reminds me of something that Jesus did. In his ministry, because I think it's a great way of thinking about the next generation. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I think, man, how are we hindering our children? Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive... The kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. 
Could you imagine if we stopped yelling at the wind for a minute and just thought about our whole mission is to bless them? How do we bless our younger generations? How do we do that? So let's take a look. How do you bless them? Well, the first thing certainly is true. you got to start speaking their language. What do I mean by that? I mean, how do you know their language? You have to get to know what makes them tick. They value a lot of great things. They value community and collaboration and inclusion. Environments, they want cool environments. Look at everywhere you go in culture. You go to the Starbucks and get like a cool environment. They want a place where they feel like they can hang out and be safe, that's warm and friendly, to have conversations. They value technology. Obviously, it's a huge part of their life. My favorite part is they have such a sense of mission. They want to be inspired. They want to work for something that matters. They don't care as much about climbing a corporate ladder unless that work really matters. And they're into whole health, right? Spiritual health as well as physical health. Much more tuned to how they eat. But they're also in tune with their spirit. Which I think is absolutely wonderful. There's one company, you look at business examples, that has figured this out in a big way. Um, I was thinking of you, uh, Mr. Hurd, not to call you out, but I read this on American Express online. That was a great article from uh, October 29th uh, about this company that has figured out how do I attract younger generations to come work for us and be excited about it. And this company is called HubSpot. Uh, this was a great piece uh, that was done article by Vivian Jiang. Um, Brian Halligan, co-founder and CEO of Marketing and Sales at HubSpot, has made it, this is from the article, has made it its mission to design a company culture that attracts young people and makes them want to encourage their friends to apply to work there too. Notice, notice the environments. Totally different. You know, they have like nap pods that they're welcome to use anytime. It's a casual work environment. There's a lot of collaboration. They have different areas where they can work and gather with people. Lots of technology everywhere. They can take unlimited vacation days. They can come in late. They don't care. They're not punching a clock. Go to the next slide. I think millennials are just different, and different in a way that makes sense, Halligan says. I'm a Gen Xer. For us, it was all about leadership and Jack Welch. Now it's all about inspiration. Young people want to work with a mission. They manage to create a culture that is successful. And then once you could speak their language, then you could bring the gospel to them in a way that they understand. This is how missionaries work. You know, Wycliffe Bible translators, when they go to a new culture... They spend years in that culture before they ever put pen to paper to do translation. Because they have to know the culture. You could see the values of that generation reflected in the way that they think about a different kind of worship experience. Community, around tables, there's food, there's fire pits. There's all this cool opportunity for people to engage. It's intimate, there's life, it's a cool environment. Uh, it's, yes, they do a worship service. But listen, millennials, don't move to Atlanta just yet. We're working on it, okay? We're working on it. 
But I think that's a great example of how a church is thinking this way. How do we bring the gospel to another generation? And this is, frankly, what we've been doing in this Faith Forward campaign. You know, this children's space. We're trying to create an environment where the kids and their large group can feel like this is their space. Where they can engage with God in, in a way that makes sense to them. Using technology. Using conversation. We do small groups. Getting them in community. And our youth space that we're building right now. So that our teenagers have a place to do the same. Where we can really do effective ministry. In that. That's why we've been raising this money for the Faith Forward campaign. That's why we're doing this. We're trying to move forward and help connect this next generation with Jesus Christ. And environments matter. Creating an environment to do that matters. I think another thing that we do to help bless them is we prepare them to lead. We need more millennials leading in the church. We need to teach you how to lead. We need to set you up so that you can lead the church where you are going to take it. we got to figure that out. And we help prepare you to lead, and we do this by investing in them. Invest in them relationally and invest in them monetarily. For Jesus is the one who said it, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to treasure our younger generation. We bless them basically by being for them. There's a lot of ways that you can join us on this. Because this is what we're trying to do as a church. A big part of what we're doing is about reaching the next generation. There's a couple of things you might be asking, what can I do today? A couple of opportunities definitely. You, we've been talking about the Faith Forward campaign. It ends next week. If you haven't participated, I want to encourage you to think about participating. I, wouldn't it say something? If, even if it's just a, a little bit, because, you know, it, it's not about that. Even if just we all could give a little bit just to say we're 100% in for you, younger generation. Like, we want to make this happen for you. You could participate that way. Another way you could participate, and, and this is so exciting, again, it's not just about about money, it's about your time, it's about your investing in another way, is, you know, in your bulletin insert, you saw on that white page, the Lead For Them mini-conference that we're having Saturday, December 3rd. If you are already a part of leading a small group of any generation, if you help with Sunday school, if you're interested in leading a group, a Bible study, this is for you. We're going to be talking about strategies of how to maximize your impact in the lives of people, including our next generation. So the way it's going to work is from 10 to 12, there's a session, and then from 1 to 3, there's a session. It's the same thing. It's just you pick the one that fits into your life that day. We have child care provided and lunch in between. And we're really going to be drilling down into strategies on how to lead groups effectively, no matter what age. Where we think we're headed as a church as far as, as helping people to follow Jesus closer and taking next steps. We're talking about all that. We're so excited to share that with you. That's another way that you can sign up and participate. And in everything, let's just all commit to praying for our kids, our young people. Because it truly is for them. No more yelling at the wind. 
Let's be empowered by it and use it to steer a generation to the shores of God's kingdom. Amen. Invite the band to come back. And I want to say a blessing. Lord, may you be with us as we seek to be your church in the world. Help us to speak the wonders of God into the languages of the people. And thank you for trusting us with the most important message the world has ever seen. Because we know that you're going to give us the strength to deliver it. In Jesus' name, amen.